Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve, called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at FCBC, we like to say it this way. We live, we love, and we serve. Amen. It won't be too long uh, this morning, but I want to draw attention to the gospel according to Luke. Luke, the 19th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Luke 19, 1 through 10. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture. And here's how it reads. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, Half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful today for this opportunity, as always, to fellowship and to gather, to share and to grow, to learn and to be poured into. Thank you, God, for the beautiful gift of life and also the beautiful gift of memory so that we can remember not only from whence we've come, but remember your movement, your action, your provision in our lives. So, God, with all that, we say thank you on today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. And we say, amen, amen.
Let me read that scripture again, Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Amen. This morning, very briefly, I want to speak from the subject, the joy of being seen. The joy of being seen. Amen. I cannot imagine how Zacchaeus must have been living a life that was clearly prosperous. But I've, I've lived long enough to realize that you can live a prosperous life and that same prosperous life be a life rife with internal turmoil. There are many people, we know, we've seen them, and some of us are them, who have the appearance of what we would call success. And oftentimes, when we think of success in our current cultural moment, we think of financial wealth, status, and power. And we see people who have financial wealth, status, and power. And we see their lives and we say things at times like, I wish I was that person or I wish I was this person. And the truth is we make these wishes, these desires, and why we desire to be like this person or we wish to be like that person is not because we know the person at all. It's because we often are attracted to the trappings of success, wealth, status, and power. We are attracted to the trappings, but sometimes never see the internal turmoil that people that we aspire to be like may be going through. Now, the truth is, this scenario does not necessarily relate directly to Zacchaeus. Yes, he had wealth, and yes, he had power, and yes, he had status, but it was a wealth, a power, and a status that was really given to him by 
the Roman authorities. He was a tax collector. But Rome had this almost despicable mechanism of gaining taxes from the Jewish people. They wouldn't use necessarily Roman authorities to obtain the taxes. They would use someone from among the Jewish people to be the tax collector. And their system of taxes was quite simple. The Roman government would tell the tax collectors this is the amount that they wanted. But they also gave the tax collectors freedom to impose as much taxes as they desired as long as Rome got their portion. The reason why these tax collectors were despised is because they had a tendency to overtax the people in order to enhance their personal wealth. And the people knew this, but because they were under the protection of Rome, the tax collectors were not touched, but they were deeply despised. Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. The scripture says he was a chief tax collector, and I love how Luke puts it, and was rich. The writer makes it clear right from the beginning, this is no ordinary tax collector. Yes, the tax collectors are wealthy, but this is a chief tax collector, which meant that he had profited and prospered on the backs of his own people in ways that caused resentment, animosity, hate, bitterness. He was despised. Despised. He had wealth, power, and status. And some of us would see Zacchaeus and think, well, this is the life he's chosen. He didn't have to abuse his people. He didn't have to take advantage. And he chose to do this. Why should I have pity for Zacchaeus? Why should I ever feel any kind of sorrow for him? But here's what I want to say. Even though we can see people from the outside, sometimes even people we don't necessarily care for who may be wealthy and have power and status, we still don't know the turmoil that goes within. I know when we see a Zacchaeus type, we say to ourselves, there can be no real struggle because if there was a struggle, why would he continue to take advantage of his own people? And that deepens how much we despise people like Zacchaeus because you know better, you could do better, and if you really cared about your people, you wouldn't be taking advantage of them. I mean, he was getting wealthy off of the backs of impoverished people. He was profiting off of the plight of his own people, broken, wounded, destitute, some struggling just to make sense of their own existence. And here was a chief tax collector. And something happened one day that maybe did not stir up the turmoil, but maybe, possibly, caused something within Zacchaeus to think that maybe there was another way. I know it can be hard sometimes, especially when we see people who are despised or who we may label as despicable, to think that there could be any good in them. And so we think that they become synonymous with their actions, synonymous with what they do, synonymous with their profiting, with their abuse. And that's what we only see. That's all we see. We see the problematic person and we problematize their existence. 
And that was done with Zacchaeus, I'm sure of it. But one day, Zacchaeus gets word that Jesus is on his way traveling through Jericho. And Zacchaeus, the wealthy tax collector, makes a decision. I want to see him. I want to see him. I mean, we don't know why Zacchaeus would want to see Jesus, but something in him wanted to see Jesus in such desperation that he was willing to take a chance. Now, I can relate to this part of the story, you know, and, and you know, Zacchaeus was one of those people on some levels like myself who often lose the battle with gravity. You'll get that later. It said he, 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 he was short in stature, and the crowd was so big that he could not see where he thought Jesus would be. And so Zacchaeus goes ahead of the crowd, and he climbs up on a tree waiting to see. Think about that for a second. Here is the chief tax collector, extremely wealthy. And the chief tax collector, the wealthy chief tax collector, wants to see the poor Jewish carpenter. I got to say that again because maybe you'll feel it differently. The wealthy chief tax collector wants to risk what could have been his life in order to get a glimpse of the poor peasant Jewish carpenter. So what does Zacchaeus do? He climbs a tree hoping to get a glimpse. And here is a part of the story I love. He climbed a tree wanting to see, but instead he got more than that. Zacchaeus got seen by Jesus. Oh, I, I mean, he goes up the tree wanting to get a glimpse and before he can fully appropriate Jesus, Jesus sees him. And here's what we know. Zacchaeus had to be known. He was a chief tax collector. He had to be known. Maybe at one of Jesus' other movements in his younger life, maybe he saw Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus had no reason to ever pay attention to this young Jewish carpenter. Maybe before Jesus' movement and ministry and mission began, maybe Jesus had seen him doing his own. You know Zacchaeus had to be talked about. You know people knew who he was, that he was hated, despised. He was a chief tax collector. And so when Jesus sees Zacchaeus up on a tree, because that's not where a tax collector would be. They would usually be sitting at this seat of, of position and status, and the people would come to them to bring the money, the taxes, and that was a seat he was used to seeing Zacchaeus in. But now he looks up and catches Zacchaeus. And here's what Jesus says. Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. I must stay in your house. Oh. <sighs> I don't know if you can fully appropriate or capture this scene, but oh my God, if you can, something ought to come alive in you. He was seen by Jesus and not just seen that Jesus says to him, I must stay 
in your house. And he says it in front of everybody who knows Zacchaeus, who knows what he does, who knows who he is. And Jesus says in front of everybody that among the crowd of people, so many people that Zacchaeus couldn't see when he was on ground level, that he had to climb a tree to get a glimpse. And Jesus yells out to him, hurry down because I have to stay with you in your house. You see, we have a tendency to so decontextualize these narratives that we sometimes miss how radical and offensive these stories are. Because here, can I just drop this in your spirit? Sometimes we think that the people we love should hate the people we hate. I hope you heard that today. We sometimes think the people we love should hate the people we hate. And when the people we love don't hate the people we hate, we feel betrayed by the people we love because they don't hate the people we hate. Can you imagine the people around, people like Jesus, poor Jewish peasants, hearing Jesus say he wants to spend time with the despised one. He wants to come stay with the hated one. See, we always hear this story, but you need to hear it. Maybe as the people heard it, you know, here was Jesus. He was the embodiment of what they believed salvation was. He was the embodiment of what power was for them. And if those people who were in the crowd believed he was the Messiah, they believed that Jesus would be the one to turn the tables on Rome and restore Jews to their power, that the Messiah would come and destroy the empire of Rome. Here is Zacchaeus representing the empire. He's one of their own people. And here is Jesus who is supposed to turn the table on Rome. And Jesus is now requesting to come to Zacchaeus' house. And you know people who are listening were saying, wait a minute. Maybe Jesus isn't who we thought he was. Because he knows Zacchaeus. And yet you want to go to the house of a sinner? Isn't it deep that that attitude displayed by the people who heard Jesus' request of Zacchaeus, that, is, that, that spirit continues to dwell, linger, and hover in our gatherings. I'm still amazed after 32 years of preaching 25 years of pastoring, I'm still amazed at the dysfunctional arrogance of people who've experienced grace in their own lives, who get to a point when they've experienced their grace but can't stand the people they don't like, experiencing the grace that we have experienced. I mean, it's a common story from my theological perspective, but it still astounds me that grace babies can't stand grace being a benefit for other people. It still blows my mind. And here it is. They have the audacity to say, how can he go to the house of a sinner as if their lives are shrouded in perfection? I, I mean, hate can be blinding. And it can blind you of your own misgivings. And they begin to ask this. 
Why would he go to a sinner's house? Why would he go to Zacchaeus? And you know some people have to feel like they were being betrayed by Jesus. I mean, Jesus, but Jesus had this tendency to really confound some of his followers and people. I mean, this ain't the first time that Jesus hung out with people that were problematic. I mean, can you imagine that one of, one of, one of the Roman uh, leaders came to Jesus talking about his child was not feeling well and Jesus went to his house? I mean, people were like, my God, what are you doing? I mean, he had this tendency to sit around and break bread with people who were despised, who were sinners, who were hated. And the religious folk would often look at Jesus like he was crazy. I mean, how can you claim to be who we think you are, and yet you have a tendency to surround yourself with these vagabond people, this motley crew of people, these wounded, broken, damaged, sinful people? But my God, I mean, something about that gives me comfort. Comfort, why? Because we're all sin. You know the language, sinners saved by grace. No, because even the sinners saved by grace have not been delivered from the ideas and notions of sin. And we act sometimes that because grace has been made manifest in our lives as though we don't daily need grace. And those of us who are in daily need of grace sometimes forget we're in daily need of grace, and then we can't stand when other people experience the grace we need daily. And so... So they, they raise those questions, and we still raise those questions today. But here's the part I love. It's not hard to understand why Jesus did this. It's maybe the same reason why some of us have a place at God's table. Maybe Jesus saw what others never took the time to see. See, many of us have a seat at the table because, like Zacchaeus, we too have been seen. We've been seen. I mean, for some of us who live our lives trying to find our own voice, our own authenticity, we often groan to get to the place where we can be real with ourselves. And those of us who wrestle to get to our place of authenticity, to honor our own voice, to be real with ourselves, there's nothing more joyful than when we are seen without having to try to be seen. I, I, I hope you get this. Zacchaeus did not climb the tree to be seen. He climbed the tree to see. And in the process of trying to see, he got seen. And for some of us who spent our lives trying to see, that moment when somebody gets you, when, when they actually understand you, when they see beyond sometimes the facade you put forth, and they know that beyond the facade, beyond the mis misgivings, beyond the flaws, beyond the mistakes, that there's something beautiful there that is worthy of being seen. How do I know that? It is amazing when you look at this New Testament in Luke, and I'm often amazed uh, about how words have so many meanings. I, I want to blow your mind. I, I never thought about this until a few weeks ago when I read this passage, and, and, and I saw something amazing to me. In Greek, Zacchaeus means pure, innocent. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Why is that amazing? There's a whole lot of us who've covered up our innocence 
And we're just longing for somebody who will see past the facade and who we really are. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus knew him. Who didn't know Zacchaeus? Because a whole lot of people who are known and never seen. But to be known and then the next step to be seen and then the next step to not be defined by how you are known, but how you've been seen. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Think about it. Because most people define us by how we're known, not how we're seen. But Jesus takes a chance to engage Zacchaeus, not because of how he's known, despised tax collector, because of how he's been seen. Innocent. And you would say, innocent? How can you be innocent and do so much wrong? Let me tell you this way. My grandmother used to tell me, I thank God that God knows my heart. Because let me tell you, I've seen some people, and I've been one of those people who've done some pretty bad things in my life, things that I'm not proud of, things that I actually was ashamed of. But my God, God saw me. And what God saw was not how I was known by, but God saw who I could become. Oh, maybe you don't understand. Do you know how beautiful it is to be, to be, to be affirmed in your possibility? To be affirmed in your potential? I mean, you maybe don't fully get that unless you know fully your story. And maybe it was one person, one person. I had one person in my life who refused to accept how I had been known, but he always saw what I could be and who I had the potential to be. And he didn't speak to how I was known. He spoke to what he saw. So when Jesus says to Zacchaeus, come down here. I must come stay with you. He's not speaking to the tax collector. He's speaking to the person who lives within the identity that he has created for himself, Zacchaeus, and Jesus sees possibility. How do you know that? Well, here's what we know about the story, and I'm done. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, and what we do not know is what happened in that house. But what we do know is that while there's something happened in the encounter, where the seen person came to the forefront and the known person faded away. And he tells Jesus, again, we don't know what led to the conversation. We don't know what led to this declaration. But Zacchaeus said, I will take half of what I have and give it away. And if I have defrauded anybody, I will give them four times what I defrauded them from. You need to hear this. You see, Luke tells this story. Matthew tells another story about the rich young ruler. You need to hear this. Because when Jesus says to the rich young ruler who said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know that story in Matthew? Jesus says, take everything you have, sell it, and give the money to the poor, and then you'll be ready to follow me. And the scripture says the rich young ruler walked away. Why? Because he had many possessions. And he couldn't separate himself from what he thought defined him. But here is Zacchaeus, the wealthy chief tax collector who doesn't have the kind of attachments we, we, we think he does. Clearly, something can happen that can shift our disposition when we finally get seen in spaces and places where nobody cares who we really are. And Zacchaeus makes the decision, half of what I possess I want to give it away. 
and the people I've defrauded, who I may have taken advantage of, I'll give them quadruple what I took. In other words, I'm willing to give up everything so that people can really see who I am and see my heart. And look at these words that Jesus says to Zacchaeus. Simple and yet penetrating. Today, salvation has come to your house. There was no baptism in the water. There was no sinner's prayer. Today, Zacchaeus, when you sought to make amends, when you sought to give back what you had taken, to repay four times, salvation came, and it wasn't about the money. What we learned, Zacchaeus, is that you desired to be seen more than you desired to be wealthy. And that is salvation. And here's what he tells the people who are watching, because he too, no, he too, no matter what you may know him by, tax collector, wealthy, despised, abuser, he too is a son of Abraham. And don't think that just because he's been behaving in a way that's contradictory to who he should be, that he's not a son of Abraham. He is one of us. And he tells him, salvation has come to his house. Salvation has come because he was seen. Do you know how many people are groping to have that transformative counter, encounter, but too many of us treating them based on what we know, not what we could see, see who they could be. And in case this is difficult for some of you to digest today because you're thinking of some folk that you love hating, remember this, that you, one day, one day, was seen by God. We used to say that song, oh, to be kept. Let me change some lyrics. Oh, to be seen by God. To be seen by God, for God to cut through and cut past all the layers that have so defined us and shaped us and to see who we really are. Is somebody watching right now? You've been trying to see, but the joy of being seen is transformative in ways we cannot even comprehend. Zacchaeus said, whatever I've done, I want to make amends. If I've taken anybody for granted, I want to give what I have away to make it right. Why? Because the way I've been living is not the way I want to continue to live. What I've been known by is not how I want to continue to be known. Thank you for seeing me, for seeing me.
And I don't know how you feel this morning, but I've had those moments in my life where God has sent people on my path who saw me, even when I didn't want to be seen, who loved me, even when I didn't want to be loved, who held me, even when I didn't want to be held, but who got me when I was craving to be understood. That is the joy of being seen. Come on, beloved, let's, let's talk to God. God, we thank you today and we honor you today for how you continue to just show up in our lives in profound ways. Now I can testify, oh God, that one of the ways you make your presence felt is by sending people our way who actually see us, not for what we've done wrong or for the flaws or mistakes, but who see us for our possibility and our potential. And the truth is, oh God, all of us live between our past and our possibility. And sometimes for some of us to move towards our possibility is to be seen by people who are willing to see that potential in us. It opens up the door to who we can be. God, thank you for those moments where we knew you were mindful of us because you knew just what we needed. And God, the truth is, most of us have a Zacchaeus testimony where one day you were not ashamed to be around us because you knew who we would be. Once we felt and experienced a little love, the kind of love that appropriates the fullness of who we are. God, thank you. Thank you, God. We honor you. We love you today. And this is our prayer. In your name we pray. And we say, amen. Amen. Listen, beloved, as I said earlier, for those who are interested in the activities of July, do not forget to pay attention to our social media posts, especially for our youth and our young adults. But most of all, most of all, most of all, there are many Zacchaeuses in our lives. And here's what we also know. There are a whole lot of people in the crowd who look at us and even despise us when they know our story. But I read something today, earlier, from Carl Jung. He says, thinking is difficult. It is much easier to judge. Maybe that's the problem. We don't want to think about who people can be, so it's easy to judge them for what we see. But thanks be unto God that there's still joy in being seen. So, beloved, I pray you enjoyed the worship experience today. Much love, peace, and many blessings. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute 
If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.